With the latest agriculture news from across the state and nation, it's time for the AgNet News Hour from AgNet West. Here's your host, Danielle Leal. Hey everyone, Danielle Leal here, and thanks for getting your agriculture news with me today. Processing tomato growers expecting improved contract prices amid rising costs. Canneries are expected to offer processing tomato growers higher contract prices this year to encourage increased plantings. However, the two sides have yet to agree on a final price. That could impact planting decisions as farmers weigh crop options and water budgets. Merced County farmer Aaron Barcelos, first vice chairman of the California Tomato Growers Association, said he's hoping contract prices compensate for soaring production costs that have made processing tomatoes less profitable to grow. That was today's California Farm Bureau Food and Farm News Report. And now let's get into our show headlines, starting off with Brian German and details on the DWR's water allocation announcement. The Department of Water Resources has announced a sizable increase in allocation for the state water project. During a media call last week, DWR Director Carla Namath explained how recent weather events have impacted the outlook for California's water supplies. After this series of storms, we have updated that allocation to 30%. It is largely derived from improvements to reservoir storage in Lake Oroville and San Luis. We are not yet fully calculating the uh, snowpack and taking that into consideration into the state water project allocation. Um, We will do our second snow survey of the year, February 1st. That's when we will be able to collect all that snowpack data and we will feed that into subsequent allocations as we move through the season. I'm Brian German for AgNet West Radio Network. Thanks, Brian. And in more agriculture news, Duarte on WOTUS. California Representative John Duarte comes to Congress hopeful the Supreme Court in the pending Sackett v. EPA case puts the fight over WOTUS and the Clean Water Act to rest. We all hope in, in agriculture that the Supreme Court supports and reasserts what Congress clearly said, that the Clean Water Act has jurisdiction over navigable waters of the United States. It doesn't say adjacent waters. It doesn't say waters separated by a roadway or waters that have some future-defined significant nexus to navigable waters in the United States. All possible interpretations that justices probed during arguments and conservatives on the bench challenged, leading Duarte to argue the new Biden-WOTUS rule is premature. Because once it comes down, I think the agencies are going to have very clear direction as to what they do and don't have authority over under the Clean Water Act. And if they still don't listen, Duarte says he and others on the Hill will exert their oversight authority to make sure EPA and the Army Corps finally clear up the waters on WOTUS. NAFB contributed to that report, and now here's Brian German with another agriculture report. The grant solicitation window for the Landflex Drought Response Program will be closing on February 3rd. CEO of Western United Dairies, Anuradaba, encourages farmers to see if the program might be a good opportunity for their operation. Some people have a lot of transition water to sell. Some people don't have hardly any. So every farmer um, we're inviting to visit water.ca.gov forward slash landflex. The numbers are broken down there. I really encourage everyone to try to do some extensive math. Most of us have our spreadsheets already ready to go. Uh, We know exactly how much water we were going to use on that acre all the way to 2040. And so this may not work for everyone. And I I recognize that. 
what we're asking people to give up here is a lot of their future bank account. And so it may not work in all situations. I'm Brian German for Agnet West Radio Network. Thanks, Brian. And stay tuned as we'll have more of the day's agriculture news and farm features here on the Agnet News Hour. Don't forget if you've missed any of our morning shows or if you simply need to catch the news at a different time, you can always subscribe to our podcast and have statewide agriculture news at your convenience. All you have to do is search our name of Agnet West on your favorite podcast downloading app. That's Agnet West. It's available on both Apple and Android devices. Farm Employers Labor Service Compliance Posters could save you thousands of dollars. Did you know that California lawmakers can be fined as much as $13,000 in government penalties if they don't have all the required employee and farm labor information posted for their workers? Avoid costly penalties and give yourself peace of mind knowing you are in full compliance with Fells Posters. At only $175, this full set of laminated weatherproof posters eliminates the risk. Order yours at FELS.net. Welcome back to the Agnet News Hour by Agnet West. I'm your host, Daniel Leal, tossing it right on over to Sabrina Halverson with today's National Spotlight. In today's National Spotlight, the soybean harvest in Brazil is just ramping up, but Danielle Sequeira, a market analyst with Ag Rural in Brazil, says some of the harvest has been minimal. Well, we have here for Brazil, 1.8% of our area had been harvested in Brazil. It's a little below last year's. Uh, last year it was 4.7%, and the five year average was 2.8%. So we are a little late, but it's nothing very worrisome so far. She says the reasons behind the slow start vary among the different states. If we take a look at Mato Grosso, which is our top producer, it's moisture, it's excessive moisture. Every year it rains a lot in January. If we have a normal year, January is very rainy, but they have intervals between rains when it's very hot and there's lots of sunshine. So farmers are able, for example, let's say it rains during the night and then in the morning it's sunny and it's hot. They are able to harvest in the morning already because it dries up very very quickly. Sikhara says they can't seem to get that consistent sunshine that helps dry out the soybeans enough for harvest. While some states are too wet, others are still too dry. Rio Grande do Sul has problems this year because it has been dry and it has been hot. It's not as serious as in Argentina, not at all. And it's not as serious as the situation we had last year when we had a big crop failure here in southern Brazil. So it's not that bad. But yes, we already have some losses in Rio Grande do Sul. Uh, to give you an example, last week we had a new production estimate. And for Brazil, we have... 152.9 million metric tons. It's a big crop, our best crop ever. But in Rio Grande do Sul, we had to cut 1.1 million metric tons because of this dry and hot conditions. While Ag Rural primarily deals with Brazil, she does have sources in Argentina that say it's been a rough season there as well. Argentina is still planting soybeans and corn. They have about 90% of their area of corn planted so far and 95% of their soybean area is planted. So what they have faced this crop is very complicated because even before the planting season, which started in September, Argentina was already facing 
very dry conditions. So they have a long-term drought. And during the crop season, they have had below normal rains systematically. And now in January, they have had very high temperatures. So even when they get some rains, it's so hot and the soil is so dry that they keep in need of rain all the time. AgRoyal recently cut its soybean crop estimate by 700,000 metric tons to 152.9 million. The consulting firm also lowered its corn crop estimate by 400,000 metric tons to 123.9 million metric tons. Despite the cuts, both crops would still be all-time record yields. Public health advocacy groups filed a lawsuit against the Food and Drug Administration. The group says the lawsuit challenges the refusal to phase out unnecessary uses of antibiotics in animal agriculture. The group include the Allies of Nurses for Healthy Environments, the Natural Resources Defense Council, Food Animal Concerns Trust, Public Citizen, and Earth Justice. They allege that approximately two-thirds of medically important antibiotics sold in the U.S. are for food-producing animals. The lawsuit claims that the misuse of the medicines has contributed to the rise and spread of antibiotic resistance in bacteria. That's today's National Spotlight. I'm Sabrina Halverson for Agnet West. Thanks, Sabrina. And now for today's Livestock Report, here's Randall Wiseman. Well, in today's Livestock News, the 2023 Cattle Industry Commission and NCBA Trade Show is coming up this week in New Orleans, Louisiana. And during the annual event, the American National Cattle Women will hold their meeting. ANCW President Reba Mazak, a cow-calf producer from Florida, told us they're looking forward to their annual get-together. We're kicking off our annual convention with a tour, and then we'll go right into our business meeting on Monday and Tuesday, and then change officers Tuesday morning and uh, let the next group of ladies in leadership lead us into our 71st year in American National Cattle Women. Your year as president uh, will come to an end at that event, so what's the past year been like for you? It's really been so exciting and honorable for me to be able to represent American National Cattle Women and the cattle producers from around the country, and especially here in Florida in my hometown. I'm a fifth-generation cattle producer, so when I get the opportunity to talk about our industry, it really just resonates in my heart. I'm able to deliver my message with a lot of passion. But there are so many ladies in our organization that truly share that passion for the industry. And that's why we're so strong and why we have been here in organization for 70 years. For those out there that have not been a member of ANCW and maybe have heard of you, give us an idea of some of the things that you all do on a year-to-year basis. Well, we are still doing the things that we were founded on. The three pillars we were founded on is education, promotion and development, and legislative. And those things have really changed through the years. Uh, We are actively involved in some of the legislation that is going on that affects farmers and ranchers all over the country. We keep our members informed, and we also make a trip to Washington, D.C., in full force with other cattle people in the industry. And then we have a great education program that is geared towards classifications that teachers need these days that really meet the needs of their working curriculum so that they don't have to hunt very far. They can just go right to ANCW.org and find a lot of teaching material to help educate the kids about our industry. And then we are always being mentors. We have a great collegiate advocacy program with some young leaders that represent us all over the country and tour around and get some exposures to the great mentors that we have solicited to help us with that. And then along with those collegiate members, we offer many scholarships through our organization as well. Not just being 
a member gets you that opportunity for a scholarship, but there's also some contests that we run as well. Yeah, well, Reba, I know it's been a pleasure to work with you over the past year, but even though your term as president is coming to an end, I take it you'll still be around. You're not going anywhere, are you? <laughs> That's right. I have been in the cattle industry since I was born, so I don't look to be moving very far away from the involvement that I have on the national level. Again, that was ANCW President Reba Mazak. The Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show is coming up February 1st through 3rd. To learn more about it, go to ncba.org. I'm Randall Wiseman for Agnet West. This is the Agnet News Hour by Agnet West. I'm your host, Daniel Leal. We'll be back in just a moment with more of the day's national headlines and local reports when we return. But don't forget, if you've missed any of our morning shows or if you simply need to catch the news at a different time, you can always subscribe to our podcast and have statewide agriculture news at your convenience. All you have to do is search Agnet News Hour or Agnet West on your favorite podcast downloading app. That's Agnet News Hour. It's available on both Apple and Android devices. Today's show is sponsored by the makers of All Grow Compost. It's the perfect amendment for improving your soil's water holding capacity. You can contact your soil health specialist, Tom Fantosi, at 209-312-4016. Sinagro, your partner for a cleaner, greener world. You've been listening to the Agnet News Hour by Agnet West. I'm your host, Daniel Leal. Welcome back. We've got more of today's agriculture news right now. A new opportunity for grant money from the USDA. That's coming up on This Land of Ours. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is making available up to $7.5 million for grants through its Office of Urban Agriculture and Innovative Production. The competitive grants will support the development of urban agriculture and innovative production projects through two categories, planning projects and implementation projects. USDA will accept applications on grants.gov until March 27th. Planning projects initiate or expand efforts of farmers, gardeners, citizens, government officials, schools, and other stakeholders in urban areas and suburbs. Implementation projects accelerate existing and emerging models of urban, indoor, and other agricultural practices that serve farmers and communities. Projects may improve local food access, include collaboration with partner organizations, and support infrastructure needs, emerging technologies, and educational endeavors. You can find more information on our website, agnetwest.com. I'm Sabrina Halverson for Agnet West. This is the Agricultural Law and Tax Report. I'm Roger McOwen. Does federal pesticide law trump state failure to warn claims? Currently, a court is considering whether federal law preempts states from imposing label requirements that are in addition to or different from what federal law requires. It's an issue on which the courts are split. The outcome is important to agriculture, and there are thousands of cases that have been filed by those claiming that exposure to Roundup caused their cancer. I'll be back in a moment to discuss. Kansas State University is one of the nation's leading ag schools, and now in-state tuition rates are available for students from every state. Applications for the fall semester, though, are due February 1st. Go to ag.ksu.edu to learn more. I'll get back to the report in a moment, but I want you to know that Schrader Real Estate and Auction Company has sold farm to ranch land and farm equipment in 40 states. Learn how the Schrader family can help your family. Visit SchraderAuction.com. That's S-C-H-R-A-D-E-R Auction.com. Litigation has been ongoing for years on the issue of federal preemption of state label requirements for pesticides. 
The federal EPA approved a label for Roundup, but the issue is whether a state can require a cancer warning in addition. In mid-2022, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to review a Ninth Circuit decision finding that federal law does not bar state tort law claims. But the court might take up a case to resolve a split between the circuit courts. Currently, the full 11th Circuit is reconsidering its decision from October of 22, which reversed the trial court's finding that federal law preempted a failure-to-warn claim brought by a person who claimed Roundup caused his cancer. The preemption issue is a big one for chemical companies and agriculture in general. The argument is that if a company complies with federal law, any state law labeling requirement must be consistent with federal law and not add any requirements that aren't. It's an issue to keep an eye on. This has been the Agricultural Law and Tax Report. I'm Roger McOwen. Well, we close the books on January tomorrow and our charting of 48 commodities, including agriculture, energy, financials, and the like, continues here. And we end the month mostly in positive territory from where they started. Way out in front, the number one gainer for January... Lumber up 27.5%. Next in line, copper up 12%. We've talked about copper before as a metal to watch. The highest rated agricultural commodity for January is oats up 5%, followed by cotton up 4.9%. In fact, only 10 out of the 48 commodities ending in the red, led by natural gas down 36.5%. A lot to do with the mild winter so far in most areas. Wheat down 5%. Corn and soybeans are very near unchanged for the month from where they started. Well, just a week away now from the first ever Crop Nutrition Week being brought to you by our friends at AgriLiquid. It's a virtual week of learning and it's all free. February 6th through the 10th, free to register at CropNutritionWeek.com. CropNutritionWeek.com. This is the Bottom Line Report. The 125th NCBA convention starts Wednesday in New Orleans for the month. Live cattle futures, by the way, are up 1.5%. Feeder cattle down, though, nearly 2%. I'm Mark Oppold, wishing you a profitable day and a profitable week ahead. Stacy Dean has worked on her share of programs and issues since becoming Agriculture Deputy Undersecretary for Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services in 2021. Among those, promoting dietary guidelines and the MyPlate Nutrition Campaign. It takes uh, dietary guidelines and a lot of the important nutrition science that can sometimes just really feel hard to understand. There's so much to manage, and MyPlate just boils it down very simply into how to think about those four food groups on your plate. She was also noted for her role and contributions in development of last year's White House Conference on Hunger, Nutrition, and Health by Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack, all among the reasons for the Secretary's nomination this week of Dean to become FNCS's new Undersecretary. Dean's nomination will go before the Senate Agriculture Committee first, then if approved, to the full Senate for confirmation. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This is the Agnet News Hour by Agnet West. I'm your host, Daniel Leal. We'll be back in just a moment with more of the day's national headlines and local reports when we return. But don't forget, if you've missed any of our morning shows or if you simply need to catch the news at a different time, you can always subscribe to our podcast and have statewide agriculture news at your convenience. All you have to do is search Agnet News Hour or Agnet West on your favorite podcast downloading app. That's Agnet News Hour. It's available on both Apple and Android devices.
Farm Employers Labor Service Compliance posters could save you thousands of dollars. Did you know that California lawmakers can be fined as much as $13,000 in government penalties if they don't have all the required employee and farm labor information posted for their workers? Avoid costly penalties and give yourself peace of mind knowing you are in full compliance with Fells posters. At only $175, this full set of laminated weatherproof posters eliminates the risk. Order yours at FELS.net. Welcome back to the Agnet News Hour by Agnet West, providing you with statewide agriculture news daily. I'm your host, Danielle Leal. Now let's listen in to more featured segments. The highly pathogenic avian influenza outbreak is causing a short supply of eggs, leading to higher prices for consumers. According to American Farm Bureau Federation economist Barrett Nelson, the key factor is inventory of laying hens. Avian influenza has really affected now just over 58 million birds since it began about a year ago in February of 2022. Egg prices have skyrocketed recently with the national averages up right around 49% from last year. So consumers have been paying, in some cases, nearly double what they had in past years. So what's causing the rise in egg prices? Really the decreased layer inventory due to avian influenza. That's the primary factor. And egg demand is projected to increase 7% this year. So to lower egg prices, Nelson says supplies would need to move higher. What would have to happen for a slowdown in prices to occur would be a slowdown in the outbreaks of avian influenza. So what we'll really be watching for is a slowdown in avian influenza going into the spring months so that the inventory has some time to rebuild. That would be most helpful in keeping prices down. For poultry farmers, Nelson says they are also facing increased production costs. These outbreaks have been devastating. When we talk about an outbreak occurring on a farm where you're faced with the risk of depopulation, that combined with the effects of increased input costs, and that really increases break-even prices, especially when we think about covering our cost of production. Michael Clements, Washington. The number of cattle going into feedlots during December and the number of cattle in feedlots January 1st. These numbers were bound to come down and I think folks were just waiting for that shoe to drop. It dropped. USDA livestock analyst Shale Shagham's reaction as he looked over USDA's latest cattle on feed report, a report showing clearly the results of cattle producers in drought areas sending during this past year more animals to feedlots than normal, sooner than normal, just not enough forage. And that has left fewer animals than normal available currently to go into feedlots. And so Shagham says... During December, approximately 1.8 million head of cattle were placed on feed, which was about 8% below a year ago. Meanwhile, during December, feedlots marketed just about 1.7 million head. That's about 6% below December a year ago. A little bit below what industry analysts were expecting, but I think some of that could have been attributed to the bad weather we had towards the end of December. Uh, some of those animals may have remained on feedlot in feedlots a little bit longer just because packing plants were closed and road conditions were treacherous. And some of those animals may likely have, have gone to uh, market in January as opposed to December. So a little bit of a temporal shift possible there. But it did leave feedlots on January 1st with an inventory of 11.7 million head down 3% from a year ago. Shagam says there is one number in this new report, though, that's up, but it only confirms the down trend. On January 1st of this year, there were about 4.7 million head of heifers and heifer calves on feed, which was about 1% 
below a year ago, but did represent about 40% of the number of cattle on feed. And this number would be up of almost a full percentage point from this time last year. And it is a very telling number. Which would indicate you know, to the extent that those animals are in feedlots, they're not being kept for breeding. So obviously no sign of any moves to increase the size of the cattle herd or produce more beef. In fact, in his latest forecast for all of 2023, USDA Outlook Board Chairman Mark Jekanowski is projecting a fairly sharp decline in beef production. How much of a decline? About 1.9 billion pounds. Or about 6.5%. Meanwhile, 2023 steer prices expected to average about 9.5% higher than this past year. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And in more agriculture news, investing in farmland is beneficial for investors and farmers. And Promise Land provides a unique opportunity to participate in a large-scale opportunity zone investments. Michael Clements shares more. John Henehan, Promised Land Opportunity Zone Funds Manager, says Promised Land culminated as Opportunity Zone tax legislation can be applied to farmland. The idea behind the tax legislation is to encourage capital to flow to those low-income communities. So incentivize folks to buy property, in this case farmland, in rural Opportunity Zones. The requirements are that you improve the property, so we bring additional capital to improve the productive capacity of the farmland and economic activity to the communities that the farmland is a part of. He says it provides a win-win for farmers, their communities, and investors. Investors get tax benefits to the extent they invest in property in an OZ. And for farmers, we're looking for sophisticated farmers who want to expand acreage under management. Most of them know that they don't have to own every acre that they farm. They can partner with the investment groups like Promised Land. We're going to hold the the farms for 10 years and we'll generally gladly have a right of first offer with our farmer tenants. Hinahan says Promised Land focuses on row crop farms. We've been focused on row crop. It's a lower risk profile. Farmland is a terrific asset to build wealth long term. It's a wealth preservation strategy and grow your wealth long term on any 10-year hold, which is the required hold period for an OZ farmland fund. Owen Peel, a North Carolina farmer who partners with Promised Land, says they are devoted to ensuring the farm's success. Farming is changing, and in that change, investment groups are just part of it. Promised Land is one of the first groups that I've worked with that they're interested enough that they want to add back to the farm, but also they want to come visit. They want to come see what it is that's going on. Promised Land held a recent webinar for potential investors, and Henehan says farmers are a great partner for investors, as investors can enhance the productivity of the land. They can quickly identify high-quality farmland that they'd like to farm in opportunity zones. Our farmer tenants understand that the big three improvements that we do, uh, drainage, tiling, irrigation equipment, or grain bin storage are all productivity enhancing to the farmer. So their profitability and cash flows will improve. You can learn more at promisedland.fund. Michael Clements reporting. This is the Agnet News Hour by Agnet West. I'm your host, Daniel Leal. We'll be back in just a moment with more of the day's national headlines and local reports when we return. 
But don't forget, if you've missed any of our morning shows or if you simply need to catch the news at a different time, you can always subscribe to our podcast and have statewide agriculture news at your convenience. All you have to do is search Agnet News Hour or Agnet West on your favorite podcast downloading app. That's Agnet News Hour. It's available on both Apple and Android devices. Today's show is sponsored by the makers of All Grow Compost. It's the perfect amendment for improving your soil's water holding capacity. You can contact your soil health specialist, Tom Fantosi, at 209-312-4016. Sinagro, your partner for a cleaner, greener world. Welcome back to the Agnet News Hour. I'm your host, Danielle Neal. For today's interview segment, we have part two of my conversation with AgSafe's president and CEO, Teresa Keen. Together, we chat all about their annual upcoming conference called Activate 23, which is being held February 7th through the 9th in Monterey. Now, Teresa, you you mentioned earlier that there were um, a couple different options for folks who might be in our agriculture workforce where English is a secondary language, so primarily our Spanish-speaking workforce. Um, Can you elaborate again on what those courses are and if there are any other courses that are offered? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really excited. Um, This year we have a safety and human resources track for uh, uh, dedicated in Spanish. And also, we've got our regulatory compliance. We always make that track um, available via simultaneous translation. And Mm. so that way you can hear directly from the regulatory agencies. Um, In addition, um, we also provide our safety certificate program is also offered in Spanish. And that's, uh, that's a very popular um, training to send your workforce to. And all of our, you know, our, our keynote and all of our other sessions that we are together as a group, simultaneous translation is always a part of that program. I want to ensure that everyone has the same opportunities to hear the information that we're receiving and to be able to interact um, in, in the conference. Oh, that's right. Um, now, you also mentioned that there is, and, and I was actually browsing on your guys' website before our chat, um, trying to get a peek at the schedule of events and, and whatnot and prepare myself for our conversation today. And I was looking through the registration, and there's a couple different options in that registration, conference pricing, if you will. I feel like there's the the regular registration, and then there are a couple other training sessions offered there. So can you sort of walk um, listeners through and folks who are interested in attending what those packages are and should they do one or all three of them or or how should they navigate that? Absolutely. So um, we've broken up the AgSafe conference into different experiences for our attendees. And so if you are an individual or sending your team to the AgSafe conference and you want to participate in those those traditional tracks, so the ones that we are offering, if you go to our website, you can see our um, grid of sessions that we're offering and if you'd like like those seem like those are a good fit for you to attend that regulatory track emerging issues or industry issues that is you'll want to do our traditional track and um, sign up for that that package now if you are interested in sending your team to the safety certificate program or our human resources certificate program those are premium tracks so you can go ahead and select those. 
I will say on those premium tracks, um, they have a space capacity limit, mm. and we are getting really close to reaching those. Um, like I said, those tend to be really popular sessions to send your, uh, your, your workforce to. So make sure that if you're thinking about doing that, do it now and get them signed up because I imagine probably by the end of this week, those will be sold out. Uh, yeah, that's good. Um, and so folks can register online, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Folks can register online. We have some group rate discounts. So if you bring three or more folks with you, please, you know, take advantage of that, um, that discount for members. Um, and if you're not a member of AgSafe, sign up so you can take advantage <laughs> of those discounts. That's right. Now, as we wrap up here, I know that every year, or, or at least in years past, especially as we've kind of gone through this pandemic, there has been some health and wellness options. In years past, there was maybe a flu check or, or flu shots offered and an overall wellness check. So um, are you guys having any sort of wellness or, or health and wellness option available for attendees this year? Um, and if you'd like to tag on at the end, anything new that's happening? That's a great question. Um, And every year we like to offer something a little bit different. And so this year, um, if you come to the AgSafe headquarters, you're going to be able to get um, some really great um, opportunities to get some additional health and safety um, wellness uh, information. Um, We will also have um, COVID tests kits available for free. So uh, make sure you stop by the AgSafe headquarters for those. We will also have, um, if you need face masks, we've got those available as well. The other thing that we're really excited about is that we have partnered with Western Center for Agricultural Health and Safety um, through UC Davis, and they will be there at conference. And they're offering this really great workshop. It is the uh, Corsi Rosenthal Um, train the trainer workshop and this Corsi Rosenthal box is essentially it's a homemade air cleaning system that can reduce exposure to airborne particulates so think of it as a really awesome like air filter and um, we'll be making these on site at the AgSafe conference on February 9th Uh, folks can sign up online we'll send you a link to that and um, for free you can go and learn how to make these homemade like air filtration systems that you can take back to your your operations take them back to your uh, homes if you need to Um, but if it's a great like innovative outside of the box kind of solutions as you're thinking about how to help clean your air and, um, you know, get rid of some of those like the the flu virus and also thinking about COVID as well. Ah, I love that. I'm I'm here for a good DIY moment. So (laughs) that's a great feature that's been added this year. Um, Teresa, as we wrap up our conversation, uh, where can folks go to gather more information um, about Activate 23, register for that event if they would like to, um, as well as learn about some of the other services that are offered through AgSafe? Absolutely. So um, please go to agsafe.org. Um, on our website, you can get information about Activate. Uh, we've got another two weeks uh, for registrations um, through uh, January 27th. And then also all the other classes that we're offering, um, you know, 
springtime is going to be here before we know Mm -hmm. it. And so we're trying to make sure that all of our agricultural operations have all the training and tools that they need as they start to prepare for next season. So go check out our website. Um, We have lots of free resources available. And again, if you ever have questions, never hesitate to let us know. You can go to uh, send an email to safeinfo at agsafe.org or give us a call at 209-526-4400. Well, it's great to talk to you, Teresa, and uh, I will be seeing you at the Activate 2023, February 7th through the 9th. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Danielle. Thank, thanks, Teresa. This is the Agnet News Hour by Agnet West. I'm your host, Danielle Leal. We'll be back in just a moment with more of the day's national headlines and local reports when we return. But don't forget, if you've missed any of our morning shows or if you simply need to catch the news at a different time, you can always subscribe to our podcast and have statewide agriculture news at your convenience. All you have to do is search Agnet News Hour or Agnet West on your favorite podcast downloading app. That's Agnet News Hour. It's available on both Apple and Android devices. You're going to need me. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. Support us at 4H.org. You've been listening to the Agnet News Hour by Agnet West. I'm your host, Danielle Leal. Welcome back. We've got more of the day's agriculture news right now. The Sustainable Pest Management Roadmap announced. Individuals from around the state have come together to form the Sustainable Pest Management Workgroup. This group announced a Sustainable Pest Management Roadmap for California. It's been a work in progress for the past two years. And this roadmap will hold the goals and actions needed to be taken for California to have a statewide transition away from high-risk conventional materials to safer, more sustainable pest control options. The roadmap was released by the Department of Pesticide Regulation, the California Environmental Protection Agency, and the California Department of Food and Agriculture. It will apply to both urban and agricultural settings. During the announcement last week, Agriculture Secretary Karen Ross applauded the collaboration of industries and said, quote, the way we manage fruit flies 30 years ago is not the way we manage them today. So it's important that we in government, all of our agencies that have to manage weeds and pests are also a part of the dialogue and solution. The DPR is accepting public comments to inform the prioritization and implementation of the roadmap's recommendation through March 13th. Comments can be shared in writing to alternatives at cdpr.ca.gov or by mail to the department in Sacramento. And now here's Brian German with more Ag News. The California Department of Food and Agriculture is accepting applications for grant programs designed to support small and medium-scale ag producers or small and medium-scale socially disadvantaged farmers. The California Underserved and Small Producer Grant Program is accepting applications through March 16th. Support from Drought Relief Technical Assistance Grants ranges between $50,000 and $100,000. Financial support available through the Drought Relief Direct Producer Grant Program ranges from $500,000 up to $1.5 million. Applicants can apply for one or both of the funding tracks available under the CUSP Grant Program. Program eligibility includes nonprofit organizations, tribal governments, county departments of agriculture, and resource conservation districts. CDFA's Farm Equity Office will be hosting informational webinars on the grant program on February 2nd and February 16th. I'm Brian German for Agnet West Radio Network. Some challenges to approving a new farm bill this year. 
A longtime agricultural advisor notes some of the challenges involved in crafting farm bills, including one for approval sometime this year. Here's USDA's Rod Bain with Mary Kay Thatcher. A new farm bill. Will it be approved by Congress and signed into law by the president this year? That's the hope of many in the ag sector. Yet as longtime ag advisor and advocate Mary Kay Thatcher acknowledges, This is my ninth farm bill and everyone gets harder than the one before. She notes challenges that appear within the development of every farm bill. For the most part, farm bills aren't partisan. They're bipartisan. The hassles usually come in regionally. I think we just have to work to make sure that it does continue to be a bipartisan push and that everybody gets some wins and hopefully not too many people get losses. As well as the balancing act of funding farm bill programs. Will new and additional funding be earmarked? If so or not, where will funding be allocated? If you don't have any new money, then it means in order to raise the PLC rate or to update base acres, you got to take money from somewhere else. You take it from conservation, you're going to take it from crop insurance premium subsidies. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. To get more information on the topics you heard today, visit Agnet West online at agnetwest.com. You can also stay connected by following us on our social media at Agnet West on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find our broadcast team of Danielle Leal, Brian German, and Sabrina Halvertson on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for listening to the Agnet News Hour from Agnet West. Agnet West Radio Network, your primary choice for agriculture news.